Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for making the time to check out Toronto Today, our podcast and wrap-up of our Friday morning show for June the 17th. Off for a few days, and you get perspective, clarity uh, when you take a couple days away. This is my first couple days in a while, so I wanted to uh, relate that to you and headed back to some of where my heart is. Big part of it here, big part of it in London, Ontario, where I grew up and lived for 25, 26 years. And going back to Michigan was really, really special for me because um, it's when you can't do it, you want to do it. It's like anything else that way. It's kind of that forbidden fruit and traveling across the land border. First time in 33 months uh, for me to do that. So few stories uh, from there. And we'll talk to Mayor David Miller about the big news about Toronto getting the World Cup bid for 2026 and what that means. And there's obviously spending implications, tax implications, what happens to our infrastructure, our transit. We want this to go well. A lot of people visiting the city that wouldn't otherwise do it. And we want them to come back. And uh, we got some getting back to normal to do in the city of Toronto. So all that coming up on Toronto Today, which starts now. I'm going to play you this. This was a painful moment. I remember starting university at Western and wanting this to work out so badly for the city of Toronto. But instead, the Olympic bid, we wanted badly the 1996 Olympics. We wanted that. Go to go from Barcelona right to another world-class city like Toronto. And not that Atlanta, Georgia is not a world-class city, but but this, yeah, we shed some tears when this happened. The International Olympic Committee has awarded the 1996 Olympic Games to the city of Atlanta. All right. Yeah, that was a rough one. We could have Donovan Bailey winning the, like making it all right, making us forget about Ben Johnson and Seoul. We could have had that in our own Olympic stadium, but no. And uh, that that bread and circuses group. I like both those things. I did when I was a kid. Bread and circuses. I I, ba- I don't go to a circus now, and I barely eat any bread. Let's hope soccer's marketed for the masses like they did in Springfield on a Simpsons episode. Open wide for some soccer. <laughs> The Cabinet of Soccer Association is coming to Springfield. It's all here. Fast kicking, low scoring, and ties. <laughs> you bet. Hey, Dad, how come you've never taken us to see a soccer game? I don't know. This match will determine once and for all which nation is the greatest on Earth. Mexico or Portugal. Yeah. You can do a lot worse. You can do a lot worse than uh, Portugal and Mexico. David Mayor, uh, Miller is the former mayor of Toronto, helped the city of Toronto get the Pan Am Games in 2015 with a, a big bid there, and he's kind enough to join us now on Toronto Today. We love our chats. Uh, it's a celebratory day, and, man, if if we get a Portugal-Mexico, I mean, we're worried that maybe we'll get, I don't know, like Peru and um, and Norway or something, although we'd have Erling Holland, We would have that. So um, we can't look a gift horse in the mouth, David. Uh, Greg, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I think it's a fantastic moment for Toronto. And, I, you know, to, to me, whether it's uh, Norway or uh, Canada, hopefully, or England, who cares? It's fantastic. Soccer's the world sport. Toronto's the world city. We're, we're tailor-made to, to host some World Cup games. And I, I think it's going to be a, a great moment and. I can tell you for 100% certain the people of this city will be so behind uh, whoever plays. It'll be just fantastic. It's going to be a, a lot of fun four years from now. A lot of demand for tickets. And uh, and I would say we need, um, you know, we, we need more good news than bad. We do in a lot of world-class cities over the last couple of years. Let me ask you whether you 
could have had this in the back of your mind um, as BMO Field comes together, as Toronto FC was uh, was organized and joined MLS in 2007. Maybe you saw it, because I think we heard about Canada doing I- independent bids, but we thought, nah, FIFA will never do Was this the only way in for Canada was to, to have a joint bid? Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, certainly at this point in time. But in 2007, when we built BMO, which almost didn't happen, it was built, uh, which is another story we don't have time for today, mm-hmm. but it's it was built as Canada's national soccer stadium. And I think the World Cup's different than the Olympics. You know, the Olympics, you need a mass expenditure of all sorts of venues. The World Cup, you need a good, proper quality venue. And we built BMO deliberately thinking about the, the possibility that maybe, possibly, maybe, one day Canada might bid for the World Cup. And nobody really at that time believed that we would be able to get it. But that was an explicit goal because it was built not just for Toronto FC, it was built for the under two, uh, the under 20 2007 World Cup, which we had to host to show we could. It was built for the women. And by the way, mm-hmm. the only reason we're getting the World Cup is because of Canada's women's team and its success. I think we should acknowledge yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. But, um, it, go ahead. Well, they're just they're you know world class and world leaders, and they've they've paved the way for the men. And you know, often it's the other way around. I think we have to mention it. They've been fantastic. Um, you know as well as I do, there is less appetite, and I think that that appetite was well shrinking, not growing, prior to the pandemic for public money to go for any kind of stadium infrastructure. You're seeing this across the border, I think, in Buffalo right now with the Bills. The public does not want to foot the bill for Terry Pagula and the Bills um, to to get a, a new stadium or even to upfit um, what's happening at, at in Orchard Park. So is the case out there for citizens to say, we got a lot of work to do in Toronto. We've got, we're clear. Just last week, we cleared another homeless in Canberra. We got problems we need to fix. And you and I talk about a lot of these problems with infrastructure, transportation, homelessness. Can we justify public money going to expand BMO field? How do you feel about it? Yes, I think you can. I understand the argument, but let's, Let's look at what happened in 2007 and what's needed now. You know, in Mm -hmm. 2007, the city spent $10 million on its share of the stadium. The deal was, we'll put our money in. This was to replace the Argos who dropped out. We'll put our money in. We own the stadium. It's on our land, Exhibition Place. Um, And the deal with Toronto FC was uh, they covered, they ran the stadium but if there was a loss, they had to pay it. And if there was a profit, we shared. So our money actually got paid back. So there are ways to do these things that minimize the financial risk. The second thing is the part of the World Cup, and that's really important, is that the host city has to make sure there's practice facilities. And there is a massive need in Toronto to upgrade our fields for cricket, for rugby, and for soccer, there's a huge demand, and that's a really important public service. You know, if you yeah. you look at the debate last week about whether we should close the lakeshore for cyclists on on the weekend, there's a big demand for people to be outside, particularly as we build more and more condos, and that investment needs to be made anyway. And what the World Cup will do is provoke it, so we can have state of the art fields for all our kids, for the adults that still play those sports. 
So I, to me, there's, there's a fantastic argument. And again, it's not like the Olympics where you have to build billions of dollars of facilities. We have to upgrade one facility that's ours, that we own, that needs an upgrade anyway, and the practice facilities that we need for uh, community leagues and a really important source of recreation. Former Toronto Mayor David Miller, our guest on Toronto Today. And you made the case, and I think it was the right case as well, when you bid for the Pan Am Games, you said two things. One, we can convert this athlete's village into uh, into a neighborhood with um, with infrastructure and, and mixed-income housing, and we need the sports facilities. We, you know we were woefully low on swimming pools, on places for, for our best athletes to train. So if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna support the arts, if we're gonna support culture, if we're gonna give money to libraries, all important things, we should be certainly doing it as well with helping helping people, uh, you know, be Olympic athletes and be scholarship athletes in the United States and be and just plain be fit. You made that case just a second ago. Well, the you know the the Pan Am's legacy for me um, is the the Pan Am uh, Athletic Center in Scarborough, mm-hmm. which provides a state of the art facility for a place that didn't have it. Uh, also, uh, close to a lot of low income neighborhoods, uh, located where the Eglinton LRT uh, will be built to the Eglinton East LRT will be built to if it ever gets built. By the way, and you know it was it's an Olympic sized swimming pool and other facilities. And that part of the city, you know, hundreds of thousands of people had no access to those kind of facilities. And the Pan Am was a, was analogous. You know, you, we we didn't build that much, but what we built left a real legacy, both in housing and for athletics. And if you're smart and creative, you can do a World Cup the same way. And I got I just got to add something about the enthusiasm mm-hmm. of Torontonians, Greg. If we got a second, yeah. When the when Greece won uh, the European cup i was in office and portugal was playing greece in the final now what do you do as mayor Uh, i'm from england originally i think you hide (laughs) well (laughs) i i did the opposite i went to little portugal for the first half completely accidentally just because it fit my schedule better and greek town for the second half so i was in greek town when greece scored to win and all hell broke loose but in both parts of the game, you saw the passion of Torontonians uh, for this game and this sport. And, you know, there were some incredible number of people, hundreds of thousands on the Danforth right after that victory. We're going to feel the same thing at this moment in Canada with the World Cup here in Toronto for 100% sure. No, I know it. I know it. And by the way, had you been mayor last summer with England, Italy, um, you would have been watching in an underground bunker. I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> I, I'm away with my family that week. And I don't think I, that's a Sunday match. I don't think I spoke to them till Wednesday. Like I didn't, I didn't get over that one for a good 70. Forget Leafs first round playoff losses. I didn't get over that one for a good 72 hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly wouldn't have been in on St. Clair uh, with my England shirt. That's for sure. How how do you think tickets will be? And I want to ask two things about it. One is distribution of them. Two is cost. I mean, I think we can agree this is not going to. You and I go see international side. This is not going to be a cheap ticket um, to go to. Get, never mind when tickets hit the secondary market. Access is. 45,000 of them per per six games, five games, but then there's the uh, you know, then then there's the the cost of the tickets themselves. They won't be cheap. Yeah, I that's a real issue and and you know, we've seen from other FIFA run events that sponsors and everybody else have first access. So I do think the 
the city and the organizers have to have their elbows up there. There needs to be a way for some of the tickets, at least, to be affordable. Um, you know, you, you and I know mm-hmm. BMO pretty well, Canada's National Soccer Stadium. The, the seats behind the goals are ideal to sell in an affordable way. But whether that happens or not, you know, Soccer Canada, the city, they got to have their elbows up a little bit with FIFA, and we can't mm-hmm. allow them uh, just to be very high-priced tickets with, with sponsors getting... Uh, Huge allocations. That's not right. Well, I know Mayor Tory's the current mayor. He may likely be the mayor again heading into uh, this World Cup. So he has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. But you did as well when BMO was built, when TFC came on. And to be honest, and I'm not blowing smoke, I don't think this announcement happens without a lot of the work you and your committees did uh, back nine, ten years ago. So thank you for that. Well, thanks for mentioning that, Greg. I, I just want to give a shout-out to former Deputy Mayor Joe Pantaloni, who steered this uh, the construction of that through as chair of the Exhibition Place Board at the time. And he, he never gets any credit, and he deserves some. We'll talk a lot more about it, Mayor Miller. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Father's Day weekend kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. It does a little bit. And listen, tougher than ever. I'm not, I'm not going to, we don't need tiny violins here. We need regular size violins. Men don't live as long as women. That's a well-known fact. Women outlive men. Life expect, It's We're all growing. We're all living older than people were 80, 90 years ago. I mean, shockingly, uh, we're exercising and we don't smoke all the time um, and our cars are safer. So how about those three reasons alone? I'm a left-handed man. Left-handed men live longer than right-handed men. And then people make fun of us. There's no mom bod. Are you kidding? Do you think you can say someone has a mom bod in 2022? You're nuts. So let's, let's, but this is our weekend. This is our week. The other 362 days, you know, we got to carry the mail. We got to put people on our shoulders, but here we go. We get to celebrate us this weekend. And Casey Palmer uh, joins me now. Notable Canadian dad influencer. You can find out more about Casey at uh, CaseyPalmer.com. I did my best, Casey. I did my best to uh, to sell all our virtue. I don't think we're getting a raise anytime soon for being great dads, but here we are. Hey, you know what? As a fellow left-handed dad, I, I appreciate all of it. Are we're we ever in trouble? Like, we just look at our watch and go, I'm a, how much time do I have left? I'm a left-handed male. What's going on here? Why am I still even here? I stopped thinking about time. Time is no longer a concept <laughs> after the pandemic. Now I'm just like, listen, give me what I got. <laughs> it is it it is a lot of that. It it is a lot of that. Do you think do you think we have a tougher job than our dads did? Do you think we, like I I hear that all the time. My mm. mom thinks so and I'm like, "Nah, you just you do what you do. You adjust on the fly. You learn. You try not to make the same mistake twice. You I, I it's the same. It's just it's a lot of muscle memory." It is. I I realize actually that our job has become a lot tougher after my parents just stopped giving me advice. They're just like, I don't know what to do with your world anymore between social media, between Mm -hmm. um, being more emotionally connected with kids, like the bare minimum of giving them food, shelter and clothing doesn't cut it anymore. You have to arm them for the world they're going into a lot better. And that means being, you know, you can't just spend time with them. It's now quality time. You can't just give them advice. It has to give like, you know, real world examples and lived experience so that they can kind of connect with you and understand that you actually mean something when you say it. So just because I said so, it doesn't really cut it as much as it used to. And it's a very, it's almost like a brave new world in a lot of ways. It is. And and I, I always say this about my dad. My dad would need, he never raised a hand to me never mm-hmm. it never hit me never sp- like sometimes you got to put your hands on your kid and take them out of a room you got to pick them up when they're little and go i'm sure. moving you here but and and sometimes <laughs> you got to raise your voice but he always had that look and i don't 
and I never <laughs> knew whether he'd blow his top or not. Like, I don't know whether we're even allowed. Some dads are hesitant to even give that look in the 21st century. You know the look, right? <laughs> I give the look in public. My wife is always like, you know, we can't do that. People are going to call child services on you. I'm like, mm, mm, they need to know the boundaries. So they the look is all we've got because we can't. <laughs> we got to keep our hands to ourselves. The look's all we've got. Very true. And it's and, and that that aspect has changed a little bit. It's uh, I, I think we evolve as a society. Uh, but mm-hmm. our dads that were born in the 40s and 50s, like they're they're influenced by their dads who were born in the, the 1910s and 20s. And life was just yeah. different then. Very much so. I mean, we're talking about, you know, there wasn't so much of the comfort we have these days where everything has just become a lot easier in a lot of ways and a lot tougher in others. But the entire, like you said, the entire context of how things worked entirely different now a century later where basically it's like okay well you can plop a kid in front of a screen or Mm -hmm. you're trying to keep up with someone who literally lives halfway across the world because you just can see what their life is like through a screen like it's very different we don't have these entire small communities that are in our neighborhoods it's like we're almost competing with everybody at all times casey palmer's kind of to join us you can go to caseypalmer.com uh find out more about him we're chatting with him about father's day coming up um what are the biggest dad questions you get from other dads? Am I doing this right? <laughs> Am I not messing up? Like <laughs> there's, there's no one it's, it's well, it's, it's no one is really sharing as much in dad communities as much as they do with moms. Moms have a really good skill of being able to like share their problems with each other and talk about stuff. Dads still have a long way to go. And so we never know if we're actually doing it right or messing up. And I'm starting to see more guys asking each other advice, but it's taken a long time to get to the point where it's like, I need to check and get not get past my ego, but really get past my own, you know, issues and my own pride and get to a point where it's like, hey, let me check this with you and make sure that it's like I'm not screwing my kid up. I wonder what basically. that I wonder what that is. Like there is something. Look, I think there's something inherent in the male psyche. And I love mm-hmm. I never buy this notion. And, and I think it's only fair that we say, you know. Women are women, men are men. We were we, we do not eat, have the same chromosomes. We do not have the same DNA. But what I like that we've evolved in is we do more of, of the of of mom things and mom do more dad things than we saw with our parents and their parents mm-hmm. before them. But but I know there's things that I'm like, this is a great conversation for my wife to have with my kids. I'm going to listen, observe, chip in where I can. But she's yeah. going to be the quarterback here. I love being able to share those things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's certain things that the kids will go to either parent for and they kind of, you know, it's it's also personality and different things that upbringing plays a huge role as well. But you're right that there's almost like a, a clear division of who does what and it changes per relationship and per family. But it's good to be able to know when it is that you need to jump in and when it is you have to take a back seat and kind of let it play out because some things are really well suited for who you are as a parent in a relationship and some things you just need someone else to be like, I that's not me. That's so, not my time. So show us your your hand. What what do you have in your house for your, for kids? How old? Um, what are they? Is a fair question. I still I still think still. What do you have? Sure. Uh, my kid, two boys, eight and a half, six and a half. Um, <laughs> you know, at that age, they're just kind of like it's it's hilarious because the older ones like now I'm too cool for school and I want to just hang out with my friends. Who are you? I don't know you, even though you live in the same house with me. And the six and a half year old is still very much. Uh, into my world trying to figure out what I do and it it's good it's a good space and I see parents with younger kids and I'm like I, I don't miss it I see parents with older kids and I'm like I don't get it 
but I'm okay <laughs> with where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, Mike, my boys, I got we're the same. I got two boys, 16 and 14, and uh, mm-hmm. you enjoy. Uh, th- this is my dad influence <laughs> advice for you because you've probably heard this. You're their rock star right now, and you will be. And at some point, you go through a four or five year era where you're not where it's like drop me off 200 feet from the movie theater <laughs> drop me off you know not right in front of the school don't get out and wave at me don't come in the school don't even pretend you know where the school so you got you you got you're you're in that space where you you could walk the public school hallways or come to an assembly and you're the coolest guy on the planet so enjoy all those yep. years while you still can Thank you. I'm trying to make sure that I'm well armed for the teenage years with as many embarrassing 80s T-shirts as possible. That's it. I want to have, you know, all the stuff to make sure I represent myself as best as possible as that dad. So, well, (laughs) let's do you and I did our absolute best to give our, uh, our, uh, you know, our our partners daughters and we failed miserably. So, I mean, look, uh, life isn't. (laughs) I said to my wife, do you want it? Do you want to try for a daughter? But what if I told you that it's going to be another boy, no matter what? She's like, oh, hell no. Like, let's just let's not mess with happy here and let's just keep what we've got. So she's hoping for some really, really strong bonding with daughters in law someday. But I again, it's I can't promise anything. I, I did my best and I failed miserably. <laughs> it's eight grandsons on my wife's side and another six grandsons and one granddaughter on my on my side. So, yeah, sons run deep in my family. I, I hear you. I, I think my need my wife needs it's a female puppy to distract her for the next 11 years <laughs> through all this teenage boy mayhem that we're already deep into. Hey, Casey, it was a pleasure chatting you. Let's do more. Uh, let's do more dad chats. I think our listeners, I can tell by the text line, they're relating to us. So uh, there we go. Awesome. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you. You know, it, if the if the camera adds 10 pounds, I don't see it on him. I never see him sweating, even, even fresh off some gardening, those HD cameras. They're not supposed to flatter anybody, but our next guest, they do. Anthony Farnell, Global News Chief Meteorologist. It's pretty embarrassing. The woman kept looking around. I'm like, can you imagine a woman saying something? You're like, sorry, I'll stop clapping so my sweat stops landing like down your neckline. It was a... Ugh. And she's with a... A boyfriend, I think if I got the first shot in, I'd be okay, but I don't want any incidents. I'm in a foreign country. I want this to go well, and I'm having a good time. But I, I clapped a little less once I realized <laughs> my hands were just soaked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cheering, you, you got the saliva <laughs> issue, the, the sweat issue, I haven't seen too much of. But that, <laughs> that uh, when it's, what, uh, 36 degrees or whatever it was that day. Yeah, I went to the I went to the ball game. Thirty six on the it was said ninety six on the uh, jumbotron, ninety six Fahrenheit. Then I hear Oof. that's a heat index of one seventeen. I hear that in the car as we get back to the car, and we still uh, stayed outside as much of the day as we could. So we're gonna have though weird right today, warm, humid, but then we got a weekend cool down, pretty mild. Father's Day, not a lot of humidity, and we a big Jays Yankees series. We might have an open dome for all three games as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I almost guarantee an open dome for all three games. It is going to become uh, windy today. So although uh, it's still mild and there's a bit of humidity in the air, it's nothing like what we had yesterday. And that was just a taste, a taste of what Michigan's been dealing with and what parts of the central and southern United States have had to deal with for almost a week now. Mm-hmm. This uh, incredible heat that uh, is going to stay put for the most part. And that's something that... Uh, I'm just actually heading out after this to shoot our summer forecast, which comes out on the first day of summer, Tuesday. But it's it's a common theme that the heat will be centered there. It makes inroads. We have a day or two of it. And then it backs off oftentimes with some big showers and storms. So uh, that's what we saw late yesterday. 
And uh, I think it's going to be something that occurs next week again, where it's warm for and humid, and then it cools right back down. And it's just, I think, a beautiful weekend overall as we're in between those those two heat areas. Feels like every weekend there's also a, a big event. Uh, well, a the one that we haven't had in the last three years, and two of a sporting variety. And I know you wanted to mention the Canadian Grand Prix, uh, the big F1 race in Montreal this weekend. Weather there, and I know we've got some listeners headed that direction for the race on Sunday. Yeah, and no, I mean, I growing up in Montreal, it's always such a big deal, such a big event. You have uh, Europeans, people from around the world that uh, that come into town, and a lot of them arrived yesterday, and uh, they encountered a flooded track. In fact, much of downtown Montreal uh, thunderstorming for two straight hours. There was hail uh, and and just like torrential, torrential rain uh, today. Uh, much better, and uh, there's still some showers around. Tomorrow, maybe for time trials, but the race day Sunday, Father's Day, uh, looks like uh, great conditions to showcase not just Montreal, but but Canada to, to the rest of the world. They have uh, banned some outdoor events I'm seeing in a lot of French cities. Parts of France are hitting 40 degrees Celsius. That's before the humidex. That's warmer than it was where I was on Wednesday. Is this just this intense heat? Just feels like the new normal. We're, I think we're used to it in some European countries, coast of Spain. Uh, Portugal was hot the summer I went there. But we're not used to seeing it in the UK and France. And they sure aren't used to it either. No, they aren't used to it, although they should become so because uh, since uh, the turn of the century, there have been every year or two uh, some pretty remarkable heat waves that unfortunately cause a lot more deaths there and, and just suffering because I was just researching this morning in, in France, northern France and, and Germany and, and obviously the UK, only about 5% of people have air, condi uh, air conditioning. And, and most of the time you don't need it, but it's for these stretches like they're going to see this weekend that it becomes so important and uh, i know france has done a lot of steps to, to try to mitigate any any potential problems with heat waves but boy it is uh, it is early we have to remember it's mid-june so when you have mm -hmm. the, the earliest 40 degree temperature in france uh, spain often gets hot madrid is is a hot city in the summer but when you start getting these northern areas heating up and, and it's been droughty there as well, uh, it doesn't bode well for, for what's ahead for the next couple of months for, for much of Western Europe. Anthony Farnell, Global News Chief Meteorologist, our guest always visits with us at 830 on Monday and Friday. So in 30 seconds, we got I think we have a really nice um, Father's Day forecast, most normal Father's Day since 2019. Everything looks good for outdoor plans, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And uh, you know what? If you want to meet up with dad for a brunch, uh, not just to sleep in, but to get it a bit warmer, maybe wait till, till 9, 10, uh, maybe 11, because it will be a cool start early on Sunday, but by afternoon, 20 degrees and sunshine. Uh, no complaints there. It will, however, for today and tomorrow, there's special weather statements in place for some areas, winds gusting up to 70. So it'll be quite breezy. Mm -hmm on the back side of that system that moved through. Uh, and then early next week, we, we renew those chances of thunderstorms, especially Tuesday. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I know some areas saw some mm. damage yesterday, hail and Scarborough. So we always got to watch those storms. And I think that will also be a feature of, of our summer mm. forecast. We'll be watching it for, uh, for tonight. Uh, Anthony, thanks so much and have a great father's day weekend. Same to you. To got it. Anthony Farnell, Global News uh, Chief Meteorologist. Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. Have a great Father's Day weekend. We greatly appreciate you listening. And we'll be back with a live show on Monday morning at 5.30 until 9 o'clock on the Radio Player Canada app and at 640toronto.com.